Hey, this is Jesse from Choke Center. This is Concerts That Made Us. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. This episode, I'm chatting with Jesse from Chokesetter, an awesome band that really know how to rock. Chokesetter were formed four years ago, but the guys have a long history in music, so they know exactly what they're doing. Before we get talking to Jesse, we're going to take a listen to their track, Motor Border. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. He's a legend from a different 
Jesse, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Oh, thank you very much. We really appreciate you letting us be here. I'm delighted to have you guys now. We kicked off the show with an awesome, awesome rock song now, Motorboater. Would you like to tell us about it? Oh, man, that's the, yeah, that's the, the single they were wanting us to push. I really, that song is just, it's such a fun song. You know, it, when we wrote it, everybody always wants to know what it's about because they always think it's about what they think it's about. <laughs> Not at all. You know, it just, that just happened to be a line in it that, that turned out well, you know, yeah. for a song title. It's really about me um, meeting the ghost of Frank Zappa in a bar in New Orleans. Right. And him telling me about life and, you know, kind of telling me to, you know, carry the torch, basically, for the for the weirdos and the crazies. <laughs> so I uh, I take it your lyrics aren't based in realism, so. Not 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 every song. No, you know, you got to throw some fun in there. But a lot of what I write about, you know, um, experiences of some sort, um, you know, not not all true as far as. But some, most every song I have has some kind of truth behind it, of uh, an experience of one of the band members or myself. Mm. And what was the process like, you know, from conception to recording to release? You know, these guys, it was it was a really funny story. Uh, I had got out of music for a while and just, just to be with my kids and kind of, you know, I've played for a long time and the guys have all, you know, obviously we've all played for a while and, uh, you know, I, I did some touring and did some other things and was just kind of tired and ready to hang out with my family. And so I did that. And I, Larry, our drummer is actually a fine tattoo artist. And he was uh, doing some work on me one day and he was like, man, we got this, this band. You think about playing anymore? I'm like, you know, I'm kind of out of it now. I'm kind of having fun just sitting at home, you know, and he slid his phone across and I, I thought we were listening to Pandora or something, you know, and this just awesome sound came out and I was like, damn, who is that? And he said, that's what I want you to come over and sing on. I said, damn it. <laughs> I went home and told my wife, I said, uh-oh. I said, I think uh, something's going to happen here. And so that's where it all started, you know, as far as me coming into the band. And then, man, when I walked into the band room and heard what those guys had, and we just started writing from there. We just built on what they already had. And just, man, it just, it turned into an awesome sound. I really thought it's something different, you know, from everybody else. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. It really stands out. What was the reaction from the fans like? You know, when we first came out, it was it was pretty, we were pretty um, accepted. It was really crazy. You know, we had all been in really heavy bands before and stuff. And, you know, when we came out with this, I think everybody was more shocked. You know, as far as our local people that knew who we were and knew what we had done before. And it was it was just kind of a shocker. And then, you know, we kind of, I think because of the name, we've really got roped into playing with a lot of, uh, you know, not, nothing bad, obviously, uh, death metal bands and had way, way heavier bands than we are, obviously. And uh, yeah, even those people were like, wow, man, it's so nice to get a breath of fresh air in between that stuff, you know? And so we've been accepted by everybody pretty well. And I, we've all been really, really happy about it. It's funny you should mention it though, because, you know, you're, totally right the name choke setter when you see it wrote there it's like oh man these are going to be some really heavy death metal <laughs> guys like where did the name come from uh actually um a choke setter it's it's you know and we we kind of laugh because we thought our album cover would have kind of explained it you know uh, a choke setter is the guy that sits at the end of the hill at a lumberjack and puts the choke on the log to drag it up the hills and stuff like that that's uh, what a choke setter is oh i get you 
Yeah. So, you know, and that's the, yeah. and so, you know, it comes from a cool thing, you know, and so we kind of write about things like that too, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. Now at this point, I usually like to dive into my guests history a little bit. So if you can now, can you remember your very first musical memory? Oh yeah. I grew up, see, I grew up in a bluegrass background and uh, my dad was friends. They're my uncles is what we call them now that, these guys are all bluegrass pickers from down in Kentucky and stuff like that. And that's my, my earliest memories is watching these guys, just amazing guitar players and banjo players, and fiddle players. And, you know, and as I got older, I had a brother that was eight years older than I was a stepbrother. He, he was into the metal and stuff. And I was I'm listening to these metal guys and I'm looking at these bluegrass guys and I'm thinking to myself now, you're lying to yourself if you don't think heavy metal come from bluegrass somewhere as fast as these guys are playing. I was like, that's, that's my earliest memories when I was, you know, five, six on up, just watching these bluegrass pickers just tear it up in my backyard at bonfires and stuff. And have you ever had any, you know, inklings to go into bluegrass music yourself? Man, if I had the voice, I'd have done did it. <laughs> Fortunately, I like the aggression of rock and roll too much. And I, uh, you know, it's, Bluegrass, you know, I I would really love to do it, but it, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, it's a whole different style for me, and I I think it'd be harder for me to do that than it would be for what I do now. And that's what's <laughs> crazy about it. My uncles all give me crap about it all the time. Yeah, I could imagine. I could imagine. So growing up, then, what was the point when you thought, right, I want to be a musician. I want to go into music. Oh, uh, it's my very first concert for sure, man. I seen um. I believe it was Clutch Biohazard or Clutch and Sepultura. And I was standing, you know, in the crowd with my brother and I was like 13 years old, 14 years old. And I was just like, man, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And, uh, you know, from that day on, I was figuring out how to do music somehow or some way, you know, and there, and here I am. You definitely stuck with it. I have to ask though, you mentioned a few minutes ago that you took a break. I always kind of feel like, musicians are the one people that can never take a break you know you're constantly surrounded by music you know yeah. there must have been an awful itch daily to get back at it oh uh, it was it was terrible i mean i even cut myself from going off to concerts and stuff like that. i couldn't even go out to a show because oh, it, man. It, would, it would eat me alive you know i'd think about it for two or three weeks and be like oh my gosh man and you know and to watch to watch bands some bands nowadays that are more worried about how pretty they are than you know what their sound like is you know it just killed me because they'd be up there flipping their hair instead of you know trying to connect with the crowd you got to connect with the crowd and the people man that's what it's all about if it wasn't for the people the fans we wouldn't be doing what we're doing you know that's we owe it to them to show them how much we love what we're doing and you know how much they love what we're doing so to me that that's a big deal we're taking that break you know and my wife was like you you know she didn't she didn't complain too much she was like you need to get back out there you're in here pacing like a caged animal sometimes you know <laughs> yeah geez yeah like it's it's just weird because you know it's I almost feel like it's the one profession where it's in your soul you know it's oh, like you're born to do it yeah you can't that's one of them undeniable you know things and people always ask me they're like how long are you going to do it for and it's like Probably till I drop, man, you know, I mean, yeah. just honestly, I can't because it, it, it just takes a new band or a new a new sound 
to get you back to where you were, you know, when you were 12 and you heard say Slayer or whatever for the first time. And you're like, mind was blown because you've never heard anything that amazing. You know, and there's some of these kids coming up nowadays can do that, you know, and it's there's a couple bands out there. It's just like it's like, wow, man, you guys are you guys are fierce. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So the history of the band, you told me how you ended up joining it. But how did Chalksetter come to be about? Stephen Bone had a um, project going together there for a while and they uh, got a just a stoner vibe in them and started writing with our original bass player, those guys all started working on stuff and they just couldn't get the, the right singer, I guess, or, you know, the, the right feel. And then just happened to get come along and they had all this great music. I mean, there, I, I really work with the best friends I could have and um, maybe the best musicians too. I mean, they are all just, everybody's got the greatest ideas and i think it really stems from all of us coming from such different music backgrounds really you know we all listen to something different but the same thing at the same time you know so it, it really man these it i couldn't ask for a better group of people i really couldn't yeah yeah and that's so important you know when putting a band together you need to almost feel like family you know yeah yeah and it's, that's the way it is you know i'm we, we all get together, everyone, you know, for even if we're not playing or something, just to have a dinner or something, just to let everybody know, hey, we're still, you know, we're still thinking about each other. We're still doing something, you know. I like that, actually, because I always feel with bands as well, it's important to do other stuff besides the music, you know, to bond outside of music. You got to. You got to know, you know, all my, my kids know everybody is Uncle Steve and Uncle Bone and, you know, everybody. <laughs> they're just, they boy, anyway, it's good that we've all been friends for almost you know, 20 years since we were kids, all starting in music, you know, so that really helps is that we all watched each other's bands, played with each other's bands, gave each other ideas all these years, you know, and then finally we all got to work together, you know, and when Dustin come into the band, it was just like a big boom, you know, and it was, you just felt, you felt something different when he come in and it was like, it was like that circle was finally, you know, completed to where it needed to be and we were just, we were on the path. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. Now, currently, I feel like, you know, 80, 90 percent of bands at the moment formed during lockdown. But Chokesetter has been together for four years. You guys formed before COVID and everything. It must have kind of felt like, you know, you were just hitting the ground, getting things together. And then it happened. How did you deal with it? We, uh, man, oh, that was so rough, man, because we had always plans for our, our album to be released we had just got done recording we were all we were too boy we had good momentum we were like all right man here we go we're gonna we're gonna give us a good run and about two weeks or three weeks after our album was released they shut it all down oh, all our man. shows got canceled every time like you know we're all like we got all these albums we got all this stuff what are we going to do now you know so we all kind of did what everybody else did you know we all had to shut it down which you know was horrible for everybody really but I mean, the whole world shutting down you can't do much about it so we were like you know what we'll just come out swinging when this is done we'll tighten everything up we'll make sure we're the tightest band that can be out you know as far as coming to see us live and we did we tightened everything up and we came out swinging that's for sure post lockdown must have been a massive celebration was it Oh my goodness! Yeah, it was <laughs> played here in our hometown. It was everybody was ready. Everybody <laughs> was ready. 
I could imagine. Just a massive release. Oh, yeah. So I always ask, as a concert goer yourself, what concerts do you think have made you? Man, you got me being a 90s kid, 80s, 90s kid, I'd say, you know, as far as growing up and knowing what you like as far as music goes. I remember the first time I saw Pantera and I was just like, holy shit, this isn't right. (laughs) (laughs) There should not be this much talent in one band. This is insane. You know, that's the first time I ever heard anybody mix heavy metal and like Texas blues. And I was just floored. I couldn't believe what I was hearing, you know, and I think that one and definitely the first, you know, the first clutch show. And, um, the first time we actually played with a band from Fort Wayne, they're a two-piece called Left Lane Cruiser. Back in the day when we were young, we played with them quite a bit when we were young. We're still friends now to this day. Those guys, man, for a two-piece band, brought a blue sound that was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that really changed me because I was like, two dudes can do that. Man, there ain't nothing we can't do. You know, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just goes to show you what's possible yeah it's it's if you ever get a chance to check them out check out left lane cruiser they're ridiculously good definitely definitely and listeners will have to check them out as well and from your own shows that you've played then what gigs do you think have made you guys you know i'm not even going to say the big shows what makes us is when we play the my rule is as far as being a front man and a, a musician in general is it doesn't matter if there's 5,000 or five people at the place. We're going to play like there's 5,000 every time. And I think that's what that's what makes us stand out is because if you come to our show and you're the only guy in the crowd for some reason, we don't give a shit. We're going to play like there's 50,000 people standing in front of us every time. And that's just that's the energy you got to bring, you know, and that's that's my that's my favorite. The little clubs where it's way more personal. You know, obviously you like playing the big place where you get the reaction and you get the fun, but still playing the small pubs and the small clubs man it's it's so cool man it's it's just that that feeling it brings you back you know what i mean to where where you started yeah exactly you can see the looks on the people's faces see their eyes yeah you you know you get to shake hands while you're playing and stuff like that there's not 10 security dicks standing in front of you in a cage while you're trying to play with these guys you know (laughs) yeah yeah so how did you approach you know working on your your stagemanship you know and getting the crowd going and interacting with the fans. How did you work on that from the start? I, uh, I got tired of watching people stand in front of me with a microphone stand. And I was like, man, it's awesome. You got a great voice, dude, but you are the most boring SOB to watch I've ever seen in my life, man. And I'm like, you know, I didn't pay 30 bucks to watch somebody. <laughs> dude, you know, that's my big thing with it. It's like, it, you know, like we touched on earlier, it's like, you're here for a show. You know, you're here to release just like I am. You know, this is this is my therapy. This is your therapy. You know, I was a concert goer before I was a concert doer, you know, and I remember just standing in the middle of, a, you know, just this. you hear about heavy metal people being such assholes and, you know, they're all mean, they're all tattooed guys, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just standing in the middle of these guys and watching them knock each other down and pick each other up and buy each other a beer after it was over. And I'm like, you know, that's what these guys want. They want energy. They want, they don't want you to stand there and talk to them about 
politics or religion or blah, 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 or what they should be thinking. They want to release for the night. They don't want to think about tomorrow packing Bubby's school bag and peanut butter jelly sandwich. They're going to drink <laughs> beer and throw down a little bit, have a good time, you know? So that's, that's how I approach it. I'm like, you know, I was that guy standing in the crowd once, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want nobody to ever think that about me. And if they ever do, then it's time for me to quit. Mm, yeah yeah i get you i get you and if you had to pick one show that stands out in your memory that you could go back to over and over again that is probably the best one you've ever played what do you think it is oh man man it's it's really it's in between a big show and a small show we did so we did a it's it's got to be a tie between these two and the guys will know exactly what i'm talking about when they listen we played a place in Grand Rapids, Michigan once, and I believe it was called Mulligans. And we're on our way up to Mulligans, and uh, we get the lineup. And it's four death metal bands and us. And I'm like, oh, shit. What did we get ourselves into, you know? So we get up there, and the show ends up being, like, amazing. And they stick us, like, basically in the middle of everybody. And it just, dude, after the show, we had a buddy with us and he comes over and he's like, listen, man, you got to go over to the merch booth real quick. And we're trying to get our stuff off, you know, because we're not those assholes that talk to people while they're trying to load and unload. And I'm like, what's going on, man? And I look over to the merch booth and I shit you not, there was a line of people standing waiting for us from a death metal show. And I was <laughs> like, all right, man. So, you know, it's between that and that. We just played with Crowbar and uh, Crowbar, some of the, I mean, Dude, those guys were so nice to us, man. They were so great. And uh, that that was a pretty memorable show. Those guys were really humble. Great crowd. Great reception. It was just, it was one of those shows that you're like, I'm going to remember that one for a while, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure yeah. the guys felt the same way as I did, you know. Yeah, yeah. I love hearing that, though. I love hearing when bands are good to other bands, you know, are good yeah, to the support bands. We haven't really ran into anybody that was, um, you know, unhumble mm. to say, you know, to say nicely or um, asshole-ish. <laughs> I don't know how we say it. Uh, everybody's been, dude, the guys from Crowbot and uh, Crowbar were both great. Uh, Hank and the Four and the Strange Band, those guys were really good. The guys from I Hate God, Jimmy and them guys were really, really good to us. Every local band that we've ever played with has been fantastic. We played with Wizards from out in Montana, and those guys were, you would never know those guys were in a band. That's what they, they, were, they were that down to earth and that cool. And they were just one of the great stone rock bands from out there. They're good, good music. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the way it should be, you know. There shouldn't be any negativity or competition, you know. You're... I don't understand the animosity of music. I'm like, man, we all know why we're here, you know what I mean? I don't. If we compete, then nobody wins, you know, yeah. obviously, because then you get, you know, people are going to be like, listen, this guy's an asshole, but they're good. That's what sucks. You know what I mean? It's like you can be an asshole and be good. And there's, you know, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a lose for a lot of bands is what sucks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or it's like when you see this band and, you know, they have thousands of fans, but, you know, for a fact, individually, they are oh, assholes. Terrible people. It's like, man. You know, and it's back to the thing we touched on. So you, these people are why we do what we do. Why would you treat anybody lesser or different from what we are? You know, I mean, we we all get buried six foot deep in the end. You know, where there ain't 
different about not one of us color race sexual creed nothing you know that's it that's it exactly exactly now to switch it around a bit not to get too negative but if there was a gig that you would say was the worst experience you've had and how did you overcome it now it can be from your entire career not just with choke setter man we played once not in choke setter but from another we haven't had really bad show and choke setter you know not not one that i would be like oh god you know there's been a couple where we're like yeah we probably shouldn't have been hooking that you know but <laughs> we still played it and done it and did what we were supposed to but um we played once back in the day in one of my first bands in ohio and it was blues brother style walked in chicken wire around the stage <laughs> um literally like Conway Twitty playing on the jukebox. Oh, and I man. called my manager and I'm like, listen, asshole. I said, I'm not shitting you when I say there's chicken wire on the stage in this place. He said, get out of here, dude. Yeah, I'm like, I am not bullshit, man. So, you know, back in the day, camera phones sucked. So I sent him a picture and it takes, you know, two hours to go through it. <laughs> and sure enough, man, he texts me back. He goes, get the fuck out of there, dude. I said, we're already set up and getting ready to play, dude. <laughs> And there was like five people in the place with three teeth shared between each of them. Matter than hell that there was some heavy metal. I thought we were getting murdered in this little town that night. Yeah. Sure. Oh man, that's that's hands down the worst show I've ever played and will remember for the rest of my life. Jeez, you didn't just uh, play the team to raw hate over and over, no? <laughs> no, man. You know the guys busting chops about it. Like we, we can do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that really takes the cake now i think yeah, that's was, one of the worst i've heard it was pretty crazy man i was like this is not I, we got pictures you know <laughs> this, is, this is a legit thing oh man oh man but makes for a good story years later it huh? does man it does yeah, yeah great memories they all can't be that good <laughs> yeah yeah so back to choke setter then you know i often ask what are the principles of the band or what are your guys' values? You know, what do you want to achieve through your music? You know, we just want people to, you know, we don't really have like a a message or nothing. You know, we just, we're some blue collar guys, man. We're some workers that, you know, the only message that we got is be good to people, basically. You know what I mean? Be good to everybody. You know, enjoy life. Man, this shit's short. You know, it's, it's terribly short, terribly, terribly short. And there ain't, there ain't no reason to be mad at everybody and shit all the time, man. You got to just enjoy. I guess the credo of the band is just enjoy life. You know, enjoy enjoy your day. Enjoy the moment. Because you ain't got a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. That's actually uh, pretty good, actually. it's uh, You don't need to overcomplicate it. You know, with different messages, mm. just have fun. Basic, yeah. have fun. If you're coming to a choke setter show, you better believe we're going to have a good time somehow. <laughs> you know, some way or another. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And the listeners love to hear this one. What's your pre-show and post-show rituals? Well, you know, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty quiet fella when it before I walk on stage. You know, my 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 rage and craziness all comes out for 45 minutes a night. (laughs) So I'm pretty reserved. I like just to, you know, I'm I'm really I'm really like to hang out with my buddies, man. I hang out with my band members. We talk shop, talk shit, talk things other than music a lot of the times. And then about about 15 minutes before I go on, 
I usually sneak away from everybody and everybody kind of knows that routine of mine. You know, I like to be by myself and kind of gather what's getting ready to happen. Cause it is, it's a rush, you know, it's a journal. It's like jumping out of a plane when you're walking on the stage. And like, like I said, no matter if there's five or five, five thousand, you know, it's, it's, there's always a, a butterfly. And I was told by a musician a long time ago, a, a guy that I had met, he said, if you ever stop getting butterflies, stop playing music. Cause you're done. You're not having fun anymore. And I was like, you know, and I was like, damn, dude, you know, and it's not even, you know, and a musician can tell you what it is. It's not even like you're, you're turning scared. You know, it's just like, you got that little thing in your stomach saying, Hey, some shit's about to go down. How about you going to do about it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. You know, that's my, that's my pregame really just being by myself for a couple minutes and gathering my thoughts. And, you know, if my wife's around, I always like to, you know, talk to her cause she's always really good at calming my nerves or my little sister comes out to shows every once in a while and she's been my best buddy ever since she was been born. So if she's out, I always sneak away with her for a second bullshit and just kind of talk about things other than what's getting ready to happen. But after the show, I definitely have to go gather my thoughts before I talk to people because I'll start talking crazy nonsense and <laughs> <laughs> the, the adrenaline rush is still there, you know? So yeah, I like to I like to sneak away and have a happy smoke before I go interact with everybody and, uh you know calm calm the nerves the yeah herbal way <laughs> i gotcha, I gotcha. I'm, not a drink, I'm not a drinker so <laughs> yeah yeah it has to be done i suppose you have to calm them somehow but um as well you know it's such a rush being on stage right say a friday night you're there massive crowd you have one of the best shows of your life you get up saturday morning and it's back to normal life how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's it's well, these there's there's times that we're actually pulling in from a show and dropping people off at their jobs. <laughs> you know, basically. <laughs> you know, sometimes we're pulling in at three or four in the morning, you know, and you know, a couple of us work at you know, five, six o'clock in the morning and we're out the door, you know, so you're really just you're walking in and you're you're washing the shower off of you, you're going to work and then you're getting in the van and doing it again the next night sometimes, you know what I mean? And so our families have been really cool with it. You know, the ones of us that have kids and wives and uh, everybody's really supportive of what we do and understand what's, what's going on and that not everybody gets a, a chance that we get, you know, and gets to do this like we do. So it's, yeah. you know, the guy that I own the company with or, you know, run the company or whatever, um, is so so cool about it. He always tells me you don't belong here, you belong, you belong out there, you know. So having a support system around you is a very, very helpful thing. Yeah, yeah. Some people would say if you don't have that support network, you know you're you're at nothing. No, and you're not. It's not, it's nothing if you don't have that that love around you, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the line, when you look back at your career. What needs to happen for you to sit back and say, yes, I achieved everything I wanted? I, you know, as long as our, our music gets out there, really, you know, and I'm still, you know, best buddies with these three guys. I think, uh, you know, and I haven't destroyed my family or any of theirs. I think, uh, <laughs> I think we've achieved, you know, as long as we keep releasing music and, you know, People still like coming out and hanging out and talking. You know, it's one of our favorite things is talking to the fans, man. I love love sitting at the merch booth with everybody after the shows, you know. So, 
you know, in 30 years, I'm hoping my kids are listening and proud and like, hey, this was dad, you know, and this was grandpa, whatever, you know, and it's still, it still makes people smile. You know, I hope it still makes people smile after a bunch of years that me and these three guys really, really made something that made an impression on people. Yeah, yeah. It's clear to see, though, that, you know, you're one band that it truly, genuinely is about the music. You know, sometimes I ask that question and it's like, oh, I want like to be a multimillionaire. I want to be bigger than Metallica. <laughs> but for you guys, it's just as long as you've made the music and made people happy. Yeah, it's honestly that as long as I can play shows until I'm 70, like the Rolling Stones, you know what I mean? But meddling it out, I'm going to be happy, happy, happy. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's something I'd like to see now. You know, the Zimmer frame and everything. Yeah, it's never been... Dude, money, if you get into music for money, then you're you're in the wrong business. Yeah. I mean, honestly, this is, you have to love this job to keep doing it. You know, and if, if like I said, it's that butterfly thing. If you don't feel that little twitch, you know, if you're just thinking, oh, I'm getting paid this much to walk out tonight and play for an hour or whatever, that's not enough. And I'm telling you right now, it's like baseball players. You fools are getting paid $100 million to play a kid's game shut up you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> these musicians out here worried about the money they ain't in it for the right thing man they ain't in it for the people that love music you know they're just in it for those people's money and that's that sucks man that sucks yeah. to me yeah definitely i think them people don't have any longevity in the game anyway you know because eventually they'll get sick of it or you know the fans will realize yeah it's it's the it's the new um computer generated music it's it's ridiculous man there's and i try to tell my kids you know obviously just like our parents telling us growing up listen to that junk you're listening to oh this is terrible you can't even understand what they're saying i'm like yeah dude you fall asleep when you listen to led zeppelin you know i understand the love of led zeppelin i get it you know what i mean they're great but you you understand my point um you know, it's just, it's a generational thing. And my kids listen to, you know, and some of my friends are like, you know who your dad is? What the hell are you listening to? You know, <laughs> I don't care, you know, I mean, he didn't get dogged out for what he listened to when he was young. So, you know, that's, I've always been open about that. I'm like, you guys know that these guys don't play musician, you know, they're, they're or instruments. They're just playing buttons on a keyboard and all that crazy up and down you hear and the voice is all auto-tuned. And I was like, this is, this isn't raw, man. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. It. It's, it's unbelievable to me that everybody's bought into it like they have. And it's just, it's lost its soul. And that's what we keep on trying to bring back. The soul of music basically is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> yeah. We are trying to do it. Never I sometimes worry though, you know, that our generation may be the last ones. You know, if you think about the kids nowadays on TikTok and music that way, like in 10, 20 years time, what will music actually be like? Oh my gosh, it's just well luckily there luckily there's a lot of up and coming bands that's trying to relight the torch. You know, thankfully. You know, obviously we're a little older and so there's some younger cats than us, but man, we have played with some guys that you see it in their eyes. They're 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 burning again. You know what I mean? There's there's that that torch is coming back. And if we can keep lighting them torches just, you know, a couple at a time, you know, and they carry that a little farther. It, you know, and it's it's not just our genre of stoner rock or whatever you want to call it. It's you know, it's death metal. It's the new math metal. It's the you know, just the the grunge, the punk. You know, there's a lot of stuff coming back, and a lot of hungry kids that are you know are trying to beat that that um 
that bug down, you know, that, that radio computer bug down. They're, they're actually playing instruments and doing something. Yeah, exactly. Before we get on to the last couple of questions then, what are the future plans for Chalk Setter? Well, we're going to, we've talked about doing a, um, a video for another song off the album. But we've also talked, you know, we're obviously we're writing, we're always writing. So we're in the middle of doing that too. So it's, you know, we're up in the air about do we do we keep going on with the album? Because, you know, really the album's new. You know, it sucks that it's four years old, but it's new because we didn't get to do anything with it for two and a half years, you know? So for us, it's, um, you know, it's always going to be awesome to play it. But obviously after playing it for a couple of years, it's like, uh, I'm ready for some new music, but this thing is still going people still like it. So why don't we just keep playing it? You know? So it's always a, it's always that toss up, but we always slide um, a new song or two in every few months just to check it out and see what people think. You know what I mean? And um, We're always writing, like I said, so there'll be something new out here in the next, in the next year, at least, you know, hopefully sooner, but at least the next year. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. I'm glad to hear that. I can't wait to hear some new stuff from you guys. We'll move on to the last couple of questions so everybody gets these so you can't get off the podcast till you answer, I'm afraid. No worries. If there was a band or musician you could see in concert for one night only, who would it be? Oh, my gosh. So now this is a... So I don't care what anybody says or anybody thinks. Freddie Mercury is the greatest frontman that ever lived. And I would give my left nut to be able to go back and see Live Aid one time with him playing that show because I will not lie. I probably watched that concert once a month and that's no shit. <laughs> that man was a freaking frontman genius. And uh, anybody that says otherwise is a fool and doesn't know anything about music. It's my opinion. Sorry, musicians out there listening. Um, other than that, it, the big tie for me would have been Freddie or Frank. I would have loved to see Zappa. I know, obviously, I never got to, and that would have just been, you know, he's one of my biggest influences because he didn't give a shit. You know, Zappa truly did not care. He was going to create what he created, and uh, if he didn't like it, the next guy probably was going to, and he knew that, (laughs) you know, and it was, he didn't give a shit. You know, he was the first, I think, musician that just didn't care in rock and roll about what anybody thought he was going to play his way. Oh, you don't think this rock and roll song needs a xylophone? Watch this shit. I'm going to make a whole album with a xylophone. You know, that, that's bad genius to me. Yeah. You know, if he could have not played them and been a front man like Freddie, you know, and he tied those two together somehow, that's the ultimate for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It'd be so great, though, to just, you know, be able to cut free like him and just not give a oh, damn whatsoever. Dude, the, the cojones on that guy were just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I think that might be the the secret to a perfectly happy life. Don't just just don't give a shit. No, because nowadays you got to be so scared about everything and it's it sucks. You know what I mean? So, you know, you can't do like Zappa did and just, you know, just not care. You know, you yeah. got to be so careful. And it's, you know, and I understand. I do. I get it, you mm. know, in ways. But in the other ways, you know, we were all raised in a different generation. So it is what it is. You can't say certain things like Zappa could have said back in the day to the you know, the big wigs, not people, but like, the you know, I'm talking about the industry people. So everybody don't get offended. Um, I'm talking about industry people, obviously. Uh, you know, Frank didn't care. You read, read stories about that. He was like the Hunter Thompson of music. He didn't care. He did not care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And the next one, 
if you could spend 24 hours locked inside a room with any musician from history, living or dead, who would it be? It'd be, it'd be Zappa. I was thinking you'd say that, all right. It'd be Zappa. That, to be able to talk to him. I just want to watch Freddie play. Yeah. I want to talk to Freddie. You know, <laughs> I want to have a conversation with this cat. You know what I mean? Me and this dude need to have a conversation. And it, it you know, and I, I would just be like, leave me in here for a, a month. I'd be fine, you know. And I don't need no pencil or paper or recording devices. Just let me talk to this dude. Yeah, yeah, just for yourself. Yeah, that's. I I wouldn't even tell anybody what we talked about. That would be for me and me only for life. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I think everybody has that one musician or one idol they'd have. Mm-hmm that conversation with yeah yeah and the next one so if there was a song that could appear on the soundtrack to your life what would it be damn soundtrack to my life damn dude i'd have to i'd have to say um cyborg betty by clutch Right, right. Why that, that one? song? Just because that song, um, it just it speaks to me. When you turn it on, I can't help but do nine thousand miles an hour in my car <laughs> or whatever I'm doing. Even if I'm just walking, my legs seem to roadrunner. <laughs> that or um, <sighs> Marvin Gaye's got to give it up because when that song comes on, I will grin ear to ear, and my head will start doing this no matter what. <laughs> I don't care if it's the most serious church funeral wedding. If that song is in any vicinity of my brain, it makes me happy. That is like the happiest song in the world. I don't I don't know why, but that Marvin Gaye song just makes me like smile for days. Yeah, yeah, I get that. All right, I get that. We're going to close the show with World Eater. Would you like to give us a bit of an intro? Tell us about it. Yeah, World Eater is one of our our awesome fiction songs. It's just about, uh, it's about everybody needing to, to wake up before we get eaten, you know, and understand that it's kind of a under, it's a little bit of understanding about don't be so simple about thinking that we're it. You know, I've always told people, if you think that this is it, you are a selfish, selfish person because there, there's no way that we're the only thing in the universe, you know I mean? No way. Yeah. So it's about, you know, it's really about, you know, you hear the asteroid things in it and you hear about the guy coming to get us all, you know, and it's just basically about don't think we're the smartest and best thing ever out there. You know, don't don't be humble. Please be humble. <laughs> you know.
from Epilid Media featuring stories of the paranormal, demonic possessions, poltergeists and hauntings, and all things that will scare the hell out of you. These things do more than go bump in the night. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify.
And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So until next time, keep rockin'. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.